Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Yes, this is the 30-something movie podcast. I'm your host, John Reed. I have with me this time around, Bo. Bo, how are you doing? I am well. How are you, sir? I'm actually doing pretty good. It's been like a crazy busy... Actually, like the last couple of weeks have been kind of crazy busy. They had a lot of different stuff going on, and um, at at the time, not at the time that we're recording this, but at the time that this will come out, um, I actually recorded a podcast with an author who wrote a book on um, the importance of geography and locations in '80s teen movies. So right uh, we'll have recorded that. So that'll be coming out probably sometime soon. Um, take a little bit of time to edit it, but. Um, at the time of this recording, uh, I will be recording that with him tomorrow night, but um, at this point, the episode might have already come out by now, so who knows. Um, but uh, yeah, Kevin Smokler is his name, and he wrote a book called Brat Pack America, and he kind of goes through chapter by chapter and talks about how location plays an important part in 80s teen movies and kind of what kind of what kind of movie it ends up being based on its location, whether it's set in California or New York or Chicago or... You know, whatever it might be. So, wanted to, wanted to see if I could uh, get him on. He actually did a series of stuff at, uh, or he did a, an appearance at one of our local libraries around here, uh, because I think either while he was writing the book or for some other something, uh, he was actually staying in Lake Forest, which is very oh, wow. close, very close to where we are. So, um, and I missed him when he was at the, I think it was at the Northbrook Library. Um, cause he was doing a lot of stuff with John Hughes. So I think he kind of stopped off around Northbrook and the surrounding area that has a lot of connections to John Hughes. And, and I missed him at the time, um, but kind of connected with him online. And then some of our other, uh, folks that listen to our podcast are apparently also following him or friends with him on Facebook and Twitter and, and, uh, you know, mentioned our show to him. And, uh, so we kind of got talking and I said, yeah, I'd actually love if you come on our show so um whether if you're doing the time warp with us whether you've already listened to it or whether i haven't recorded it yet um i'm gonna talk to him a little bit about his book and then maybe just talk a little bit about since we are hitting the end of our 80s decade um you just kind of ask him some questions on kind of what are some of his favorite 80s movies and just his thoughts on the transition from 80s movies to 90s movies and you know just some general stuff like that Right on. So, kind of looking forward to that, but also yeah, looking because there's going to be a good time. It's going to be a lot of recording and a lot of talking over the next week, so I'm going to kind of look forward to not talking for a while, maybe. Yeah, there you go. No. Got to rest your voice. Give it, give it a little bit of rest there, but 
but this time we are talking, because that wouldn't be a very interesting podcast if you just listen to a whole bunch of silence. Maybe just listen to us thinking about movies. Um, that would be not as much fun, so we're not going to do that. Uh, we are going to be talking this time around about a movie that I, until I was looking at movies for this podcast, I had not heard of this movie. I had no idea what this movie was. Um, and even when I picked it to be one of our movies, I still had no clue what it was. So <laughs> it, it was like Blood of Heroes. Never heard of it. Don't know what it is. Yeah, let's throw it in there. Yeah, so. I had never, never, ever. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that, like, I feel like when you go to Target and they have those movies that are in, like, the four movie sets, you get the three movies you do know and then the one that you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of feel like it might be a little bit like that. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this time is Blood of Heroes, episode number 228 for our show, Blood of Heroes. Uh, very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about, so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to go see it, um, go check it out first. Uh, this movie, in particular, if you have not taken a look at, um, I think it's TubiTV.com, T-U-B-I-T-V.com, uh, it's kind of like a free streaming movie site. So it's a little bit like a Netflix, um, just movies. I don't think there's TV series on it, but uh, free to sign up for an account. You don't have to pay anything for it, and it was actually streaming on that site. So if you... It was also available, I found it through the Roku channel on Roku for free. Oh, okay. there were some there were some commercials, but I, I did find it there. Okay, and it was easy for me because I have a Roku, so it was yeah. easy to find. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you want to check it out, a couple different places you can find it. Uh, you might be able to find it. I mean, I think I found a copy. I think I loaned it from the local library. They got it from some other library somewhere in their system, and uh, I was able to get a copy that way too. But um, yeah, so if you want to take a look for this movie, go right ahead. Plenty of places you can find it. Um, but we do spoil movies, so if you haven't seen it, you want to see it first, go ahead and do that. Uh, come on back to the show. We'll be here. Uh, we might also start to talk about other movies. We may spoil those as well. We just talk freely while we're here. If you haven't left, left us an iTunes review, we'd really appreciate it if you did. If you're enjoying the show, you've been listening, um, just want to give us a quick little shout-out. Um, we promise if you leave us a, a, a five-star review, a 20-star review, whatever you want to do, um, we won't let it go to our heads. We really, really promise. Our heads are big enough as it is. I mean, physically, our heads are massive. Um, Gigantic craniums. Mm-hmm. Gigantor. So visit our website, too. If you haven't been there, 30podcast.com. Uh, that's a great place to find out more about our show, find all the past episodes. Um, it's got links to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, if you want to go find us there. Uh, we've got a nice visual way of kind of browsing through all the movies we've covered on our podcast for the last four years. Um, so feel free to stop there as well. But all those different social media spots, you can find us three zero podcast on every single one of those. So go take a look for us there. Uh, I don't have a ton of movie news. Uh, there were a couple things that I wanted to mention that are kind of related to each other and we can just talk real fast. I don't know that we know that there's a whole lot of commentary necessary on this one. Uh, but two things came up that uh, apparently army hammer, is reportedly in final talks to play the Batman in the new Batman movie coming out in 2021. Hmm. So I know that he was up before. I feel like he was, when they were trying to find a Batman for the DCEU movies, uh, after the Christian Bale movies, I feel like he was one of the finalists for Batman before Ben Affleck was announced. So if he's the one that's still up for it, that doesn't come as a surprise to me, I guess. Yeah, 
So. Right on. Yeah, nothing shocking there. No. Uh, and then um, this was kind of interesting, and, and I think this kind of this brought up a few things from uh, some folks out there. And uh, we actually got a, a couple of tweets from uh, one of our listeners and, and somebody he had been talking, a friend of his he had been talking back and forth with. And um, there was a news story that came up that Zack Snyder um, said kind of like in his uh, his maybe final word on the DCEU movies and, and kind of his legacy uh, with regard to all that. Um, he came out and he said that uh, Ben Affleck was, quote, the best Batman ever. Wow. So now that Ben Affleck is no longer going to be playing Batman, I guess that was Zack Snyder's way of saying goodbye to him as the character, um, as the actor playing the character. So how do you feel about that? I I don't know. That's so <laughs> weird. Like... I don't know. I can't, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that he even said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I will. Sh- I will share uh, a friend of ours, Jason Colvin, who listens regularly to the show and interacts with us on Twitter a lot. Uh, he tweeted earlier today and said, um, uh, "My friend at Tristan Martin on Twitter and I have been discussing Zack Snyder's comments about Ben Affleck being the best Batman. Nice, but nuts. Do you want to get nuts?" Uh, and then he asked us, now, "See, what- that's funny." Yeah, that was that was really good, um, and uh, so then he asked, "Who are our top five Batman's?" And I'm trying to remember. I feel like in the Batman episode, might have gone through and listed. I don't know if we just oh, listed yeah. we, our favorites, we, but I think we might have done we our top definitely fives. talked about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think we pretty consistently said Michael Keaton was most of our favorites. Yeah, I think like for me, I know Kevin Conroy from the animated series was a close number two. Uh, Christian Bale was up there too. Um, I feel like was it was it you or Pat that had Will Arnett as one of your favorites? Uh, Might have been me. I know. Might have been you. He, okay. He, yeah, you know what I think it was. Okay. He was just awesome. Okay. So then uh, the his friend at Tristan Martin on Twitter listed him out and said number one Keaton, number two Kevin Conroy from the animated series could vie for number one possibly. Uh, number three Christian Bale, number four Will Arnett as the Lego Batman. Number five, Val Kilmer. Number six, Adam West. Number seven, Ben Affleck. And he didn't even give it a number. He just said, we do not mention Amal Clooney's husband. It's probably a good idea. (laughs) Uh, So then Jason jumped in on Twitter and said, number one, Keaton. Number two, Bale. Number three, West. Number four, Affleck. Number five, Kilmer. And number six, uh, Clooney could have been better if given something better with which to work. Um, Mm -hmm. And then then he said, Arnett was awesome, but he only provides the voice, and he's not as familiar with Kevin Conroy. (laughs) <laughs> and so the, I guess somebody else replied to him too and said uh, number one Christian Bale number two Adam West that's the end of the list there you go like, okay now that's funny Michael Keaton probably should have been on that but if you don't like eh, if you don't whatever. like Batman if you don't like Batman 89 that's okay whatever we're all friendly here we're not gonna make you exactly but uh, yeah so I mean I, th- I think we we mentioned this before I think Michael Keaton was most of our favorites um you know, for me, Kevin Conroy, he's definitely on the list. the The thing about him that maybe puts him a little bit further, if I think about it more, I might put him a little bit further down on the list because there's really not a different, not a huge difference between his Bruce Wayne and his Batman. 
A lot of times they're, depending on the episode, sometimes they can be very similar. There's not much of a difference in the voice um, between the Batmans, uh, between the Batman and the Bruce Wayne. And then I think about Christian Bale, and I'm like, okay, well that, I mean, what he did was pretty, pretty different from like what what the others did. I mean, there was a big divide between your Bruce Wayne and your Batman. Right. And he had three movies to develop the whole thing, so... True. I mean, that that definitely helps. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I got for movie news. Um, but The only just... thing I read recently that's kind of cool is all the stuff coming out of Amazon for their <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth series, whatever that's going to be. Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to look yet, but I heard they posted up some kind of an interactive Middle Earth map. Yeah, they did. Okay. I'll have to go take a look at it. Yeah, I'll be curious to see. I'm, I'm, I want to see what they're going to do with that. It's definitely made me want to go back and rewatch the Lord of the Rings movies. To realize they have not done in a few years. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go jump into. We got a little segment we do sometimes called This Week in '89. So this week in '89, I only have one thing uh, because when I read this and was reminded of it, I was devastated, and I didn't look for anything else beyond this one. On February 26th, uh, 1989, the Dallas Cowboys made a massive mistake and fired head coach Tom Landry after a 29-year <laughs> career. And frankly, I don't care what else happened this week in 89, because nothing else matters. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can understand that from your point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I loved in... Um, King of the Hill, when I found out that... Wasn't there an uh, elementary or middle school named Tom Landry Middle School? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, that's that's very much Texas. I had... Um, I actually had a poster up in my bedroom as a kid, and on one side of the poster, it was the 1986 Dallas Cowboys team picture, and then on the other side of the poster... It was Tom Landry in like an Uncle Sam pose where he's pointing at you, and it says, <laughs> and it and it said something like I want or or Tom wants you or or I want you for the Dallas Cowboys or something like that. Only you like, would have that poster. Mm-hmm. Me and every other kid in Texas. Well, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So that's all that matters for this week in '89. Um, I guess if anybody else cares about anything after finding out that that was when Tom Landry got fired. Um, the book this time around, the top book in This Week in 89, was Star by Danielle Steele, uh, which I'm sure you've read cover to cover many times, Bill. Three or four times, sure. Three or four? Okay. Was it good? Sure. Why not? I mean, you know, <laughs> it did well, so it must have been, right? Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Straight Up by Paula Abdul is still the top song uh, during this week. And then The Burbs is still the top movie this week. It was last week and this the week. The Burbs. So Love it. A, a couple of weeks. Uh, most of these movies kind of last about a couple of weeks on the on the top of the charts there. So we had The Burbs last week, Burbs this week. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I was looking at it and I was kind of surprised at just movies that I think of as being these massive movies really only spent a couple of weeks on the top spot. I think they, you know, the movie studios aren't dumb. They try to plan it 
So mm-hmm. they're not, you know, so their top movie isn't in competition with the next guy's top movie. So here's the one that kind of surprised me. Just I was looking a little bit further down the list. And the movie who spent, it looks like, the movie that spent the most weeks, I'm going to add it up really fast, because that's the most math I can do. Um, it looks like, okay, I'm trying to remember Rain Man. Rain Man might have had, uh, Rain Man probably had one at the end of 88 as well. Um, but in 89... The movie that spent the most weeks at the top of the box office in 89. Do you have a guess? Batman. Nope. Mm, no idea. Batman spent two weeks at the top of... That's it, huh? That's it. Made a ton of money, but it only spent two weeks at the top. Uh, Lethal Weapon 2 came came out right after Batman, so that was probably... Uh, yeah, sure. What caused that? Uh, look Who's Talking. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, it's fun and all, but mm-hmm. good lord, people. Look Who's Talking spent five weeks at number one. It must have been a slow five weeks. Well, now, granted, it's, it's October, November, and October, November uh-huh. is not known for its, you know, amazing movie times, uh-huh. but, yeah. Still, five the other... weeks, that's insane. <laughs> the... The other closest ones were Rain Man in January and Uncle Buck in August and September. Mm, well, at least those I can sign up for. Yeah. Look who's talking. What <laughs> the hell? Uh-huh. Love the movie, really, but come on. Yeah. Not not a movie you'd guess think of as... No, guess there's no accounting for taste. No. <laughs> not, not in August, or not in October of 89. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the Blood of Heroes. Or if you have seen this in another country somewhere, maybe you saw it as Salute of the Jugger, because that's another name that this was Which released actually under. might be better. <clears throat> might be. Arguably. Might be. Uh, Blood of Heroes was mentioned. It was a line in the movie, so I know that Peter Griffin would get really excited because doesn't he get excited whenever he hears the? Uh, yeah. Wasn't wasn't that a Family Guy thing? He gets excited when he hears the movie title mentioned in the movie. That does ring a bell, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this presents a clear and present danger. Aha! He said it! Uh-huh. He said it! <laughs> he said it. The bridges of Madison County. Um, all right, so it was rated R <clears throat> with a... <laughs> I, I don't know. It's late. Uh, Runtime of yeah. one hour and 30 minutes. Uh, directed by David Peoples, um, who did a documentary short film called How We Stopped the War. That was, I think, his only other directing job. Uh, producer on this one was Charles Roven. He has produced everything DC Comics related uh, in terms of movies since Batman Begins. He also produced 12 Monkeys and Three Kings. Now, Three Kings is a really fun movie that I loved when it came out and I have not watched in a long time. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I need to go find that. Because I really liked that movie when it came out. Did you ever see it? You know, it's funny. You brought out what I was trying to think. Three Kings is the Ice T George Clooney. Yes, um, yeah. yes, yes, I did, and, and it's okay. funny. There's a there's a war movie podcast out now that I've been listening to, and they mm. have an episode on it. Oh, and I've been okay. waiting to listen to the episode because I want to see it mm-hmm. again. I just had to connect it to the yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, just don't don't touch that map to the Iraqi gold. Exactly. <laughs> You don't know where it's been. Uh, writers for this one, David Peoples. Um, now, what he's more known for, he, he directed the documentary short film, but what he's better known for is he's also a writer 
uh, and he helped write such movies as Blade Runner, Unforgiven, and Twelve Monkeys. So, just a few little hmm. movies here and there. Yeah. Uh, cinematography done by David Egby, who did Mad Max and Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Music by, I'm gonna really mess up this last name, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Bokelhide is what I'm gonna go with. Uh, he was the composer for many documentary films and was also part of the sound department for both the 1984 movie Amadeus and Fight Club. Uh, budget for this one is unknown. The box office was 882000 so not a whole lot. Mm-mm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics give this one a 13%. Rotten Tomatoes audience, audience gives it a 76%. IMDb gives it a 65 Letterboxd gives it a 62 uh, did not have a cinema score score, and I don't think it had a Metacritic score either. So if you average out the audience score, it's a 67. If you average out some of the critics, uh, it is 54%. Starring Rutger Hauer as Sallow. He was in Blade Runner and Hobo with a Shotgun and The Hitcher. Delroy Lindo played Mabulu. He was in Get Shorty and Ransom. Anna Katarina played Big Simber. He was in Batman Returns and Star Trek, the 2009 version. Vincent D'Onofrio played Young Gar. He was in Full Metal Jacket and Men in Black. Uh, Gandhi McIntyre played Gandhi. He was in Babe, Pig in the City, and Dead End Drive-In. Justin Manjo played Dog Boy. He was in Babe and Dark City. Joan Chen played Kitta. She was in the TV series Twin Peaks and the movie Judge Dredd. Max Fairchild, died in 2017, played Gonzo. He was in Mad Max and The Howling 3. And Hugh Keysburn played Lord Vile. He was in Mad Max and Mad Max Fury Road. Here's the trailer, and we'll be back in just a second. From the author of Blade Runner and Lady Hawk. Jug is coming! Juggers! Juggers! Jug is coming! They're coming! They're coming! In a future ravaged by war, all eyes are on Juggers. Outcast champions playing a game of survival. <laughs> This is the story of Kidda, who has heard tales of a world far better than the one fate has given her. Is there really such a thing as soap? She will do anything. I got speed. I can run. I'll quick for you. She will risk everything to be (laughs) one of the judges. It is the story of Salo, banished from a place of honor in the underground Red City. Because of a woman. I like the blood of heroes. Now, this woman will lead him back. We could play a team from the League. Theirs will be a journey through a gauntlet of time and trial. Get her loose! To that fabled city, where Sallow will challenge the jugger who took his title. He could lose that other eye easily enough. Where Kidda will discover that the world of her dreams is no dream at all. I don't want the attention of the League. But I do. Rutger Hauer. It must be soft. Skiing with no scars. I like scars. And Joan Chen of The Last Emperor. They accepted the challenge!
Okay, so a few things that I found. I uh, found some of these things on the trivia section of IMDb uh, related to this movie. The sport uh, jugger that's played in this movie that's referenced, it's referenced in the comic book Warriors of Plasm, uh, which came out in the early 1990s by a company called Defiant Comics. Uh, in the comic, the sport is called Splatterball. Uh, all five player positions in Jugger are mentioned in the dialogue between the characters. Quick and Slash are the most mentioned, uh, while the Drive and the Back Charge are mentioned by Sallow, Big Simber, and Mabulu when they're seen arguing partway through the film. And then the Chain Wielder, uh, the Vincent D'Onofrio character, Young Gar, um, the possible name for his position is Griffer, because I think they mentioned that one time somewhere in the movie is, is the name of his position. Yeah, it was it was a little hard to follow what was mm-hmm. going on sports wise in some of this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Actually, so, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it was a little hard to follow a lot in this movie. <laughs> well, that I was watched, one of... I had to watch and then rewatch pieces of it because I was like, "Am I processing this properly?" Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and I was. But it just took another watch of a few. Not like I didn't have to rewatch the whole thing so much, but there were parts that I would like. As I would watch it, I would go back to. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and I don't know if it was because it was shot so dark, or if I was watching it on a dark screen or what. But some of the some of the actual scenes where they were, like, fighting. Mm-hmm. What, playing jugger, whatever you want to call it. Um, I kind of lost track of which one was Rutger Hauer for a few minutes, a couple times. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, it kind, of, it, it kind of breaks some of the rules that you find with your typical Hollywood movies where even if you absolutely, for safety or for something else, should have some kind of a helmet on, they always find a way for that one actor that, you know, the, the one they're paying the most to be in the movie, for some reason, that actor does not need a helmet, even though everybody else does. Yeah, they find a way for him to lose it or something. Just, right. Or, honestly, sometimes it's, these days, I feel like they're trying more and more to not do that. So they do it with some obvious costume element. Mm-hmm. And I know he had a different helmet than the other guys but it was hard mm-hmm. and a couple of this like the ending the ending scene I lost track of him once I was like whoa 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 go back what happened yeah <laughs> yeah well and I think I think part of the tough part of this movie is this movie is all about the sport like it's not even it's because it, you don't find out what happened if this is earth you don't find out what happened to the earth um, you don't find no, out. They, they they write that off with that first title card and move mm-hmm. on. Yeah, you don't. It's not even really much about the characters as people. Like it's not even about their no. lives. It's not about their lives. It's not about any of that. It's really this movie is all about the sport part of it. Which is why the title in the other in the other countries almost makes more sense. Yeah, the salute. Um, the salute of the jugger. Mm-hmm. Right, because you, you end up. There's so many parallels to other things. Like, they're obviously pushing the parallels to Gladiators. Mm-hmm. And they're, I, but even in the movie Gladiator, we learn a heck of a lot more about Russell Crowe's character than we learn about any of these people. Right, um, right. Except, I, I think we learn a little bit about her. Um, you know, obviously she wants to, you know, get noticed by the League. Um, 
But. Right, and you get the idea that these people, you know, if they're living a life of either farming or whatever it is, that this would be their one chance at some other type of life. Like, right. you, you don't have a whole lot of options. There's not a lot of upward mobility in this society. And, yeah, not, but certainly I, not from the dog towns. No, 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 no. And that was kind of something I thought was interesting about this, is that a lot of times you have these kind of post-apocalyptic movies, and you've got some sort of... Oh, there's some sort of a, a backstory related to, well, there's we, we have to do this to survive because there's a war going on, or we have to, you know, we have to do this because if we don't, we're, you know, like, we don't have much time left to live, and it's we're all going to die. Right. Like, there's, there's some other kind of story going on here. But this movie is really, truly, and purely just about the sport of Jugger. And mm-hmm. you, you, you have a little bit of uh, Salo's backstory and kind of like why he was cast out uh, from the cities but and the, the, the major leagues. But it's really, it's not even about him as a person, I didn't feel like, or him as a character. It's about him as a Jugger player. Right. So I thought that was just kind of interesting because you do have, I mean, you have in other sports movies, there's, we talked about it with um, you know, we talked about it with uh, a little bit with Major League and definitely with Field of Dreams, that there's some other type of theme going on. But in this movie, you're not worried about, you don't know what's going on really in the rest of the world. We don't know if you're, if they're at war with somebody else. We don't know, you know, if, if this is, if the world, if the whole world is like this and, and how long it's been like this. And uh, we don't know a lot of those things. It's just about the sport, and it's just about them going right. from town to town and, you know, getting the accolades and, and getting fed and having a place to sleep for the night and, and all that. And, and I think that's where... I, I, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I enjoyed this movie. Like, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I, it was not a movie I would have picked up for any other reason, so it was... It was... Right, right. But, to your point... I think that if you've got a movie that's all about the sport, then you better make that sport super clear and make the <laughs> make the rules and some of the other stuff that's going on crystal clear if that's your intent. Right, and it was it was trying to be a sports movie and a gladiator movie all at the mm-hmm. same time and yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a toughie. Cuz that's my I mean that's my one Maybe my one criticism about the uh, Harry Potter books is when when Nora and I started reading the Harry Potter books a few months ago, um, Quidditch. Mm. Now, now, the books did a great job. If I had watched the movie of Harry Potter before reading the books, I think I would have been confused about the idea of the sport of Quidditch. Because the movie, I don't feel like, did a very good job of, of really helping you understand, okay, so here's what's going on during a Quidditch match. Here's how you score. Here's how you win the game. Here's what's happening in the meantime. Here's how you do defense. Here's how you do offense. Here's the names of the players. The movie, I feel like if, if, if I didn't have the information I'd gotten from reading the book with her first before watching the movie, I think I would have been just like, I don't, I have no clue. Yeah, they definitely took that scene and, and didn't emphasize it as much mm-hmm. as in the books. I feel like they spend a lot more time on the broom in the books 
yeah. a lot more time on how good he is mm-hmm. as opposed to in the movies they just use it as a he's good at this that's why people know him that's why he's cool moving on right right you know right yeah and this I, the writer for this you know he made up this sport purely for this movie like he, he just made it up from scratch i think he he did a little bit of research on yeah i, you know, I want this i want this movie to be like part of a book like i want it to be i want there to be more somewhere mm-hmm. yeah and it's not there mm-hmm. <laughs> well he based it apparently he based it off of the short story of rollerball that's right. the the movie is based off of too um you know and then just kind of brought in his own elements of like tribal sports that he had researched and some other stuff and um but yes, I mean, if, for a movie where it's supposed to be about the sport, that was the one part where I, I the the scenes with the sport were were captivating. Like I was watching the entire thing. I, oh I was, yeah, my attention and, was was kept by the, the sports scenes. The more I scenes. started to understand what was happening, like I was like, okay, I get mm-hmm. it. But it took a little while to get into it, and you kind of I kind of feel mm-hmm. like a sports movie shouldn't take so long for you to get into and understand the sport. And as much as we're talking about how it was so about the sport and there wasn't much going on, I also feel like we could have seen maybe one more match before the final match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that we ever got the... I, got, I can't figure out what they wasted time on either, where they could have put another contest, but that would have been good to see, I think. Right. Just because. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say about the movie itself. I, it was, it was a fun movie. It was, you know, it was entertaining. It was. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to go back and watch it again. It was, I don't think watching it a second time would be challenging. Mm-hmm. Because you already know what's going to happen. Right. Right. Dude's going to lose an eye. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, the one thing that I thought was was really cool, and I actually went back and watched several times, is, and I don't know if you found this, if you looked up anything related to it, they've actually turned it into a real sport. Yeah. <laughs> and the Which first time I, the first time I read something... me a little. Well, the first time I read something on it, it was like, well, yeah, and then a group of Germans was like, oh, nope, that's all oh, I need well, to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, of course. Okay, the Germans. Trust, was it over trust, when the Germans bombed trust, Pearl Harbor? Trust, trust the Germans... To yeah. see something in a movie and be like, "Wow, well, if he can make that, a, that's not even a good German accent." Um, you know, trust them to see something in a movie and be like, "I think we could do that. I yeah. think we could make that a real let's, sport." Let's let's try that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. So I I found a bunch of videos on YouTube of actual jugger matches, oh, and God. and and I will say, and I'll put some of those up in the show notes too, so people can take a look at them, and I'll I'll, I'll share, I'll text some to you just so you can see it. Um, but it's they're kind of fun like it's kind of it looks like a obviously it's less violent you're not like poking people's eyes out or trying to like do crazy things that's that's a um, good thing thankfully um it looks like most of the weapons that they're using are uh not necessarily foam but they're at least some type of softer weapon even the even the chains are uh you know the guys swinging the chains around even those I, i think are probably plastic um it's like a weird cross between it looks like a strange cross between like rugby and fencing and lacrosse. <laughs> like it's very 
Uh, it well, almost, I can see that. Watching the actual sport almost makes a whole lot more sense than what you see in the movie, because instead of them like beating each other into submission, they have these rules about if you get hit, you need to kneel down for a few seconds. And so you kind of watch the sport unfold, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. And then you kind of see them, how they play out. You see the different... Um, you see the different positions on the field and kind of what their purpose is. Um, so I watched a few of those videos. I was like, well, you know, actually this is... The Germans, actually, I, I'm not going to make fun of them for this one. This is this is actually kind of fun. Yeah, so I'm not playing this anytime soon. No, I mean, I mean there, there is a league in North America, so I mean, if you ever want to get... Uh, oh, of there course might, there is. There might have been one close to Chicago, so we can always try to check one out sometime if you want to... You know, you want to become a jugger. I, I would go watch. <laughs> I, I think I would go watch too, just for the, just just to be able to say that I went to a jugger match. I'd go watch. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So I think in terms of like the movie itself, that's all I've got for uh, the Blood of Heroes. Uh, like I said, did fun, you, fun, fun did movie. Did you watch um, the alternate ending? Uh, no, I did not. The alternate ending is available on YouTube. Um, okay. The salute of the Jugger ending. It's like five minutes, um, and it's it's funny. It, it's it's like um, it's like basically saying wash, rinse, repeat. Like okay. they introduce a new Jugger, and Rutger Hauer has one kind of staring off into the distance line, and it's it's interesting. Hmm. Okay. All right, I have to go take a look at it. No, I didn't. I didn't see the. the you know, I was just so intrigued by the um, by the fact that there was a guy who's credited in the. He's credited in the American version, mm-hmm. but he doesn't show up at all because he's only in the last five minutes. Which gotcha. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, right. go take a look. All right. Well, I have some five questions for us, so let me jump on into our five questions here he asks each traveler five questions it's impossible to answer impossible because you don't know the answer nobody could answer that question you've got to ask yourself one question why are you asking me for i don't know what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Oh my God, I'm watching this in another window. The chain thing is brutal. Are you you watching a a jugger match? Yes, what are these people doing to each other? They're Germans. Oh my God, I can't believe this. I'm out. (laughs) And I'm not sure what that means, and I apologize if that offends any of our German listeners. But I closed the window. I can't. Okay. Can't okay. do it. That's crazy. In in, but... in, Ger- in German, it's called a window. <laughs> oh, dude. It's a, it's a window. You got to do the V's. Do the V's. That was brutal. No, it's not. It's that's they they instead of W sounds, there's V sounds. I know. It's right. still brutal. I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody in Germany would disagree with me. I didn't say they would disagree. Okay. <laughs> that just falls right in the solidly in the dad joke column. <laughs> okay. All right. 
Um, oh, did you also see? I know this is this is a few weeks after it happened, um, but did you see that uh, Bruno Ganz died? I did. He was a Swiss actor, but he was he's uh, it, I think he's been in a few German movies. He's in that movie Downfall, where they show um, you know it's that scene mm-hmm. of Hitler, the scene of Hitler everybody used for the internet memes. Yep. Yeah, but he was also in the um, Wings of Desire that we did a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw that the other day. All right. Well, let's jump on into our five questions here. Question number one, what is your favorite Rutger Hauer role? (laughs) There was a miniseries a few years back. It could be almost 20 years now um, called The Tenth Kingdom. Mm, and okay. It was. Um, was there was there a movie called The Tenth Kingdom? Yeah, it, I don't think it was technically a movie. I think it was technically like a five part miniseries or whatever. But they released it on tape at one point. It was like okay. six episodes or something across two tapes, maybe three tapes. Um, but it was on NBC. I want to say it was another one of those. It was kind of like the recent. Um, Oh crap! What was it called? Recent TV show, fairy tale. Once upon a time, it was similar to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was very fairy tale-y and whatever. And Rutger Howard played the huntsman from the Snow White okay. story in that. And oh, okay. he was really good. I actually somewhere in this house have the VHS tapes of that somewhere. Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen them in a while, but they're probably in a bin somewhere. Huh. Okay. One of the few Rutger Hauer roles I know off the top of my head, to be honest. It's an actor who I know as a person and as a name. Mm -hmm. But if you say, name something Rutger Hauer's in, yeah, that takes a little doing for me. Okay. All right. Well, I had two of them. Um, My number one, I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with this one. But have you seen a little movie called Blade Runner? I have. It has been a long time. Okay, so my number one is Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Sure. So that would be my number one. My number two, just because it's a fun movie, um, I mean, fun in like a dark and murdery kind of way, but uh, ah. John Ryder from The Hitcher. Sure, sure. So so those would be my two. Uh, what about favorite number two? Favorite post-apocalyptic story, and this could be books or movies. This is a tough one. It's actually a genre I enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, post-apocalyptic alternate history that sort of thing is just super cool um but i think if i have to go if i have to pick a favorite i've got to go classic and i got to go planet of the apes okay that's a my 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 honorable mention and what i would have picked except it's murky at best is the um the newer 12 monkeys tv series that is excellent. Like I, I, was I, so I, I don't good. like words start to fail me when I think about. I just finished that like a couple the months mind ago. Mind bleepery involved in that. I I, I just I, so good because, because I think I need to see it again to piece it all together. Like that's how. Well, I know this up. is like. See, the thing is, I watched through that entire series, mm-hmm. and. This it's 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 starting to feel like to me like when when Sharon and I would watch Battlestar Galactica the the remake Battlestar Galactica, yeah. and then we watched it and then like I don't know so maybe a few months went by, 
And we were sitting around, and I was like, well, I don't know, we kind of finished all of our other shows we were watching, what do you want to watch? And I think she might have looked at me, and she'd be like, you want to watch Battlestar again? Yes, I do. I was like, uh, number one, thank you. Uh, yes. Number two, yes, let's go ahead and do that. And I want to say, I don't know if we've watched it three times now, but I feel like we've watched the entire Battlestar Galactica series maybe, definitely two, maybe three times. I kind of feel like, now I went through and I watched 12 Monkeys, and I kind of feel like maybe a good excuse to watch it again would be to say, you know what? You did not watch it with me. Mm-hmm. Let's watch Let's watch this series. Because that thing, it just, I, I, anytime there's time travel, I love time travel stories. Like, I, I you, you mentioned that time travel is in a story, and I'm automatically sucked in. Mm-hmm. Now, I also really enjoyed the 12 Monkeys movie. So Yeah, see, I went back and rewatched that recently, mm-hmm. and it didn't hold my attention very well. I don't know if I was in the wrong headspace for it okay. or what. I just wasn't into it. I, I, well, yeah, the movies, it bugged me. The movie's quirky, because it's Terry Gilliam, so you know it's going to be a little quirky. Sure. So maybe that's part of it, too. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was an odd experience, because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I should watch the movie again. That'd be fun. Yeah. Just wasn't working for me. Yeah. But I, when I started watching the 12 Monkeys TV series, that especially that first season, I was like, oh, okay, so they're basically just going to like rehash the movie stuff, but just draw it out a little bit more, and maybe more of a conspiracy. And then I feel like, I don't remember if it was, because I watched it, I, I binged so much of it, I, I, the mm-hmm. seasons blur together in my mind, but at whatever point we got to, and it was like, okay, well, now we've hit the end of the storyline that you would have seen in the movie, um, we're going to completely mess with your head, and we're going to do like a, a complete 190 degree turn. Mm-hmm. And be like, walk away. What? what, what? <laughs> like, what? I thought this was a thing about a virus, and now we're not. With this, where the virus? Go, the virus is stupid. But the time that, why is everything red? Mm-hmm. Why is everything? Which then, I was just shocked when they. Not that this is a political podcast, but at Christmas time when the White House sent out those pictures of the red trees in the White House. Yep. I was shocked. I was. I feel like I was the first person on Twitter. Uh to post up a picture of that alongside a picture of the red forest and put a little caption of something like you're walking through a red forest. Mm-hmm. I was like, no one else has caught on to this yet? No one else has seen 12 Monkeys and knows what this is? I think so. the people who the people who follow the Twitter account that posted mm-hmm. the White House picture and the people that follow the Twitter account of 12 Monkeys, I don't know that those two groups necessarily overlap That's... as much as you might think they do. That's... It's... <laughs> That's... Not so much a Venn diagram as it is a pair of handcuffs. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so good. So yeah. good. How about uh, yours? That's, that's absolutely not what we were talking about, but that was... No. Um, but no, yeah, that's absolutely... Um, well, see, now you mentioned that, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe that would have been mine. Well, um, that's why I was like, I, I definitely slid it into the honorable mention, because mm-hmm. I, I try to... Whenever we do something like this, I try to think of movies, because it's... It is. We are a movie podcast, and I know we leave it open to other things, but yeah, yeah. And the Twelve Monkeys thing to me gets murky because there is the TV show in the movie, right. so that's why I, I say Planet of the Apes. But the honorable mention definitely goes to that TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you should. This is also a little bit of an aside. Um, I don't know. Do you do you like reading comic books? I, I do people, when I when okay. I when I when I get them, but I don't actively seek them out. If that makes any okay. sense. Okay. Okay. They did a well, they did a comic book adaptation, I believe, of the original Planet of the Apes novel. Yes, I have heard that. And I wanted to pick up a copy of it. I I think my brother told me about that. He is a huge, like, he has both Planet of the Apes movie sets, like the original and the new Mm. sets. Okay. He loves those movies. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I wanted to pick up a copy of that comic just to kind of see it, but I haven't found it yet. I wonder if he has a copy. I'll have to ask him. Okay. If I get a copy, I'll let you. It's the kind of thing he might have picked up. Yeah. If If I get a copy, if he doesn't have one and I get a copy, I'll let you borrow it. Because that's cool. I mean, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a, a classic in that mm-hmm. the scene with the Statue of Liberty when mm-hmm. you know you just the first time you see it, it just drops a load in you. You're like, whoa, because mm-hmm. there weren't a whole ton of clues before that. No, like I mean, there's some subtle stuff, but nothing like mm-hmm. nothing concrete. It, it's right. not like if they did that. Well, heck, they recently did. Um, remake it today. They're gonna start hinting way too early. Any right. movie, like with stuff like that, they start hinting, and you're like, "Oh, maybe." Right, right. And I think, unfortunately, part of it is because Planet of the Apes did it, and now you're always thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh, could it be?" Maybe it's that. But man, the first time you see that, there is nothing mm-hmm. that can prepare you for that. Mm-hmm. Dang. So mine, I, this, yeah, from, this is a category I have a hard time with too, because I, there's so many and I, I find that a lot of times my enjoyment of time travel overlaps a lot with my enjoyment of post-apocalyptic stuff. Sure. So if I were to pick a movie, I'm going to pick Terminator because. I thought even you in, might. Yeah. Because even as a kid, like, that whole idea just completely fascinated me. As somebody who, you know, with Back to the Future and all this stuff, just fascinated by the idea of time travel and, in like, Quantum Leap and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of Terminator being, you know, you've, you've sent someone back in time to try to prevent the future, the, prevent the future that actually exists. And then my, my little, like, teenage mind was trying to wrap my head around the different paradoxes of, well, wait a minute, how could John Connor exist if he never needed to send his father back before, if he didn't send his father back before? <laughs> so, I, and there's that kind of stuff I enjoyed. Like, it didn't melt my brain so much as it just, like, I was like, that's really cool. I don't get it, but it's really right. cool. So, so if I was going to pick a movie, I'd pick that. If I was going to pick a post-apocalyptic uh, story from a book, I'm going to choose a book that my dad had read many, many, many years ago and uh, gave me a copy at some point, maybe in high school, probably high school, maybe maybe college, but I think it was probably high school, um, a book called A Canticle for Leibowitz. Hmm. And this is, um, it's, I, I'm going to completely blank out. I know the last name of the author is Miller. Um, is it Walter Miller? Look it up really fast. Yes, Walter M. Miller. Um, first published in 1959. And kind of the premise of the book is... Uh, what, what's kind of cool about the book is it's broken up into three different sections. And 
you kind of get the idea that it takes place after there's been a nuclear war on the Earth. And you start off with, it's maybe like 500 years. I feel like it goes in 500-year chunks. That it's 500 years after the nuclear war in the first part of the book. And everything has kind of regressed back to almost like medieval times. And you have these kind of these monks that are trying to hold on to what little scientific knowledge we have left. And uh, so they've kind of mixed science and religion a little bit. Um, and it's kind of run by, you get the idea that the United States or whatever's left of it is run by a, almost like an American version of the Pope. Um, but then you also have these kings and emperors that have kind of built up these little kingdoms over the last few years and, and technology has regressed back to like what we would have had in the Dark Ages. Um, and that's how the book kind of starts. And as they kind of rediscover certain technologies, you jump forward another maybe 500 or so years for the second part of the book and some of the stuff that you didn't think maybe meant a whole lot in the first part comes back in the second part and you're like oh so when they left that behind that somebody 500 years later finds that as an artifact and you know that plays a part and then you jump ahead either 500 or a thousand years for the end of the book and we're back to having like spaceships where you're not gonna blast off from the earth and escape from the earth and um, all this other stuff but just kind of a combination of never having read a book that was really structured that way where you had these massive jumps in time within the same book and all of those three pieces being related to each other but then also the idea of like what does the earth look like and they they reference these places like the the capital of um the empire in this story is texarkana okay i've driven through texarkana that's not going to be the capital of anybody's empire right uh, but that's kind of cool. Like the idea of the land still exists. We just divide it up in a different way. So like kind of the idea of like Hunger Games and having the districts, like, you know, it's meant to be North America, but you know, the, the capital is, you know, the capital is Denver or wherever it's supposed to be. And you know, things are just divided up differently. And I don't know, those have just kind of always fascinated me. And just, this was a fun book. And um, there is a sequel too. I think the sequel was released posthumously um, called... I think it's called Saint Leibowitz and the Horsewoman, or something like that. But yeah, so I read both read both of those back in high school. Or it's uh, Saint Leibowitz and the Wild Horsewoman. Is the um, they released it in 1997 after he died, um, and there was a lot of Latin in it too. And I had learned Latin. I'd learned a little bit of Latin when I was in school in England. So I was like, oh, I get to practice my Latin and read a book about the end of the world. And okay, that's cool. So, so I think that would be mine. That would be mine. Right on. Okay, number three. What is the best fictional sport? And I know I listed a few examples for us. I when I listed a few examples, I think I put uh, Quidditch, basketball, pyramid, the Running Man, Jugger, uh, Pod Racing, the Hunger Games. But of the fictional sports you've ever seen in a movie, what is your favorite? This was a tough one. I, um. I, I couldn't decide how fictional, like, a couple of these were. Um, so the coolest fictional sport I've ever seen in a movie wasn't actually a fictional sport, but it was a fictional way of playing said sport. Okay. And this is where, like, I have to admit that I've seen this movie and it's sort of 
bothers me that I've actually seen it and that I'm going to admit this in public. Oh, now, now I'm curious. <laughs> I went with my wife because I'm a good husband. I went to see the first Twilight movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. And, and <laughs> you are more than right to laugh at me. However, there is one cool scene in that movie, and in the book too, apparently the scene is really cool. There is a scene in that movie and in that book where they, the vampires play baseball, and they call it vampire baseball. And it is worth tracking down just that scene and reading that section of the book. I've actually tracked down a copy of the book just to read that section. It is super cool, because they're super strong, so they hit the ball like, you know... 500 feet and so they need you know a 300 foot wide field to play on and it's just crazy town I, I, um, I have to I have to do this do they play with vampire bats <laughs> you're terrible <laughs> <laughs> but because baseball is not a, a fictional sport right um, I actually went to um, another classic um, Brocky and ultra cricket from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, was, was I still, I, I my... still have, I still have never read or seen that. Oh wow, you gotta read them. They're so mm-hmm. good. I've read all of them except I think the last one. Okay. Um, there were some some honorable mentions from Star Trek, um, mm-hmm. but I want to see what you're gonna say first before I say anything else. Yeah, I I kind of I I cheated and chose two. Um, mm-hmm. I I thought of one. That realistically, if I wanted to try to play it, I kind of thought of that one. And then the other one, like, just watching it. Like, what would be mm. the most interesting to watch? So, most interesting to watch, I think I would choose Pod Racing from sure. Star Wars. And then the one that I think, yeah, I, I actually could see myself, like, giving this a try. Like, I actually see playing it because it seems like the rules are, you know, simple enough that it, it's not quite like trying to figure out the rules of Jugger in this movie. Um, so I chose Pyramid from Battlestar Galactic. Definitely. So, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I could feel like I could give that a try. Like, I don't I think don't. you gotta be a... I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to figure out the rules of Pyramid. Probably not. Now, not saying I'm gonna be any good at it, but... Alright. Uh, so let's see. And number four I've got is, uh, what sport that you've never played would you like to try to play? Curling. Okay. Uh, yeah. Every four years, I'm like, God, I gotta try that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never got out and tried it? Nope. Is there anywhere around here that actually has? Yes, there is a, a place curling, you can go do it. There's a curling club in Northbrook. Okay. I, I that is all I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they they might be housed right next door to the. Uh, North American Jugger League. I don't know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you? You could go curl your juggers if you wanted to. Hey, um, now. My, uh, let's see, mine for this one I think would be lacrosse. Okay. I, I mean, as you and I both know, I was a, the mascot. A fully documented <laughs> lacrosse super fan. Mm-hmm. A lacrosse super fan. Um, and I think I was mainly a lacrosse super fan because... I really wanted to play lacrosse until I found out that the the one requirement for getting onto the lacrosse team was like a two and a half mile run. <laughs> and Only it was at that point. 
nope. It was at that point I was like, excuse me, I play football and occasionally wrestling. And there's a reason they call it the off season. Yeah. And and as much as I would love to play lacrosse, because it looks like a lot of fun, the whole idea of running two and a half miles as being the requirement for getting even even having the opportunity to try out for this team uh no i will be a very dedicated fan and i will sit mm-hmm. in a grim reaper robe in an armchair on the uh, in a lawn chair on the uh, side of the field and cheer you all on so but it would be lacrosse if i were to choose one right on all right, number five, final question. Who is your pro or college sports hero? I'm going to let you go first on this one. You okay. never get to go first. Okay, so this one, I, and again on this one, I, I kind of had two that I was looking at. Um, if I was going to choose somebody as like an overall, I admire, from what I know of the person, I admire both the person and I admire their accomplishments on in their particular sport, uh, I think I'd go with Emmett Smith. So he would be, it doesn't hurt that he was a Dallas Cowboy, but just everything, maybe there were some things that, I don't know if there were ever some things that he did that were, you know, questionable or, you know, he was a jerk to somebody somewhere. I don't know. I've never heard any stories like that. He just, everything I've ever seen or read about the guy, he seems like a nice guy, seems like a decent human being and, you know, did a lot of stuff for charity, was a great running back and, um, you know, just... I think that would be the person, the the overall person, that would be the one that I would choose. Now, immediately what came to mind when I thought, okay, sports hero, immediately I went to Michael Jordan. Sure. Now, my reason for that, though, the more I find out about his personal life, I'm like, yeah, I don't maybe need you to know. You don't want to know that. No. <laughs> so that's why you I say... You don't want to know none of that. <laughs> no. That's why I say Emmett Smith overall, because I feel like even his personal life, not that I'm aware of, like it's not to say it hasn't happened, but not that I'm aware of, there, there doesn't seem to be much in his personal life that would make me go, eh, um, I don't even, I don't think I'd want to be friends with this guy. I'll watch him play his sport, but mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to be friends with him. Michael Jordan, I immediately thought of him because when I think of a pro athlete that I would look at and just go, I could watch that guy play nonstop. You know, I think of like the game he played with the flu and just like all these things like stuff he did. And I remember watching when he would, when he was with the bulls, it's like the kind of stuff that you, it's the stories you're going to tell your grandkids someday when you talk about sports stuff, like I'll anytime anybody wants to hear it, I'll talk about watching that game where he had the flu mm-hmm. and how just amazing it was to watch him play that despite the fact that he was sick um, and just other stuff that he did as a person. Eh, not so much, but... Right. So those would be my two. You know, overall, I'll go Emmett Smith. Nice. If it was, if it was purely for his dedication to the sport and his skill and just all that stuff, I, I would do Michael Jordan. Right on. But I don't think I'm going to sit down and have coffee with Michael Jordan. Yeah. It's number one I don't it would like. be really entertaining. I don't like coffee, but, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd like to sit down and have a scotch with Michael Jordan. Okay, I could do that. Like, that would be interesting, to say yeah. the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, who's your, who's your sports it, This was really hard. Like, I kicked around a bunch of names who I loved as players, but the more I thought about it, I, even with all the stuff that kind of came out after with the most recent book, 
Um, Walter Payton. I okay. Think, you know. Um, he he would have been on my list too. I I don't know that I heard what came out with a book. Oh, there was a new and, and I say new. It's not that mm-hmm. new now. Maybe four or five years ago, a book came out, and there was you know nobody's perfect. Nobody's a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely some stuff, and some okay. people got real angry that this guy wrote this book, and even ever said these things. And but they were all true, and everybody yeah. knew it while it was happening. I don't. The funny thing is, I don't even remember the details. Yeah, I just remember yeah. it being talked about a lot when the book came out. How dare he and this, that, and the other thing. And I, you know, nobody's perfect. The other guy yeah. who I always think about when I think about stuff like that is Barry Sanders. Mm, yeah. Um, he was a classy guy. And, and one of the things I always liked about him was he, he left without, like, he didn't try to hang on too long. He didn't because he knew there was life after sports. You know, he knew that he had a he had an opportunity to play this game, and he loved this game and he played it, and then he was done, and that was okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think overall, I would have to go Walter Payton for sure. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our five questions. If you want to share your own answers to any of these five questions uh, or if you just want to kind of reach out and let us know if you've watched this movie if you've watched uh, either Salute of the Jugger or The Blood of Heroes um, feel free to just reach out and let us know what you thought of this movie we'd love to hear from you um, this is like, like I think Bo mentioned earlier this is not one of those like like crazy popular movies that a whole bunch of people that we feel like have gone to see so or have picked up at some point so we'd be curious to know how you felt about it if you've seen this one or if you happen to watch it after listening to our show um yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to jump on our website, 30podcast.com. Uh, there's a voicemail number on there. You can call in, leave us a message, and uh, we'll play it and respond to it on the show. Uh, and then you can uh, find all the other ways to kind of interact with us on there, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, all those different places. Um, but head over to 30podcast.com. That's going to be a great way to, to interact with the rest of our show and find our old episodes. Um, so in the meantime, we've got a whole bunch of great movies coming up next. This is finishing off our month of sports movies so we're rolling on into March next and in March uh, we have, I think we're starting March off with Glory and I've seen Glory but it's been a while so I'm, I'm kind of excited to go back to it I remember really enjoying Love it. Love that movie but yeah but uh, it's definitely been a while, it's been a minute since I've seen Glory um, so yeah, March is our March is kind of a loosely themed month um because sometimes i got to make up themes that help hold these movies together. Uh, March is our... As as you do. uh, March is our War and Criminals Month. So we start off with War, with Glory. Uh, And then we have The Burbs, we have Turner and Hooch, we have The War of the Roses, (laughs) and then Captain Marvel. Excellent. So, uh, if you are looking even further ahead, we've got a couple things coming up, uh, just to kind of give you a sneak preview of April and then May. April is our inspiration month, so we've got movies that are inspirational in some way. That might be in a crazy way or a bittersweet way. Um, we have My Left Foot. We have UHF. We have Dead Poet Society and Driving Miss Daisy. Um, if we have the chance to, uh, that's also the month that both Dumbo and the Shazam movie are coming out. So we may try to do an episode on one or both of those. And then May 
I completely messed up with scheduling our movies for May. So May, I have decided to leave the month of May open, and we are going to take, um, I think each of us, each of us hosts on the show, are going to take a movie, or maybe even a couple of movies, that we missed. We'll maybe try to keep it to one. Uh, movies that we missed in our exploration of movies from the 80s. We, we started this four years ago, and we started with 84, 85. And, um, you know, since then we've gone through 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89. Um, but there are still some movies that even though we've covered those years fairly well, there are definitely some that we missed, and there's some that we missed from earlier in the 80s decade. So in May, that's our opportunity to go back to movies that we missed and do an episode on one of those movies. So if I'm, I'm not, I don't know what everybody has picked. Nobody's told me yet what they've picked, and I, I don't need to know until later. Um, but, uh, you know, for example, if somebody said, well, I would like to do an episode on uh, The Empire Strikes Back. That came out in 80. We never talked about that one. So, you know, my episode's going to be Empire Strikes Back. So that's what we're going to be doing in May. We'd love to hear from you if you've got movies that we have not done on the podcast. Uh, that you would be interested in hearing about, let us know, um, and we can share that with the different hosts, and maybe that'll be one that somebody else wants to do too, so we'll, we'll go from there. But that's April and May. April is our inspiration movies, My Left Foot, UHF, Dead Poet Society, Driving Miss Daisy, possibly Dumbo and Shazam, uh, and then May is the movies we've missed, and, and we'll let you know more about that as that comes up. And I know Jeff is working on our 250th episode, which I believe is going to be coming out in July. Yeah, July. And um, that one is, with, without giving too much away, that one is going to be related to 80s cartoons. So I've already started trying to rank things, and it's caused a lot of problems. <clears throat> but Just yeah. got to do it. Got to throw a dart at the wall and take a stand. I did, and then... And then I moved the dart because I just <laughs> after I thought more about it, I disagreed with where the dart landed. See, that's the thing. Can't think too much about it. First gut instinct, usually right. I know, but I kind of like I made my list, and I was like, I'm done. Like I think I even I, I pulled a Kramer. I walked into into Jeff's classroom. I was like, I'm out, and I put down my list of stuff. And I was like, Here's my list. Uh, hold on, never mind. Let me take that back for a second. And I was totally convinced. I said, nope, it's done. I'm not. It's finished. I'm not looking at it again until July. And then I took it back. And I just sat there for a while. And I was like, um. Silly man. Maybe I should. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look at the list again. And then I kind of pulled at Ghostbusters. I looked at the trap. Yeah. I looked at the trap. (laughs) Don't look at the trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this time around. Um, again, check out our website, 30podcast.com. That's going to be the best way to find out more about our show. And uh, like I said, we'll be back here next time with Glory, and then following that up with uh, Tom Hanks' Smorgasbord for a couple weeks, The Burbs and Turter and Hooch, and then War of the Roses and Captain Marvel. So thank you for being here tonight, Bo. Thank you, John. All right. You all be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time.